so many young people message me asking about becoming a realtor. And to be honest with everybody, if you're listening and you're debating it, I do not recommend necessarily getting into the business right now. But if you're super keen to get into real estate, I think the mortgage broker world is underserviced. Yeah. If, I, if I were to go back Razors, in time, I'm a thousand, a thousand percent would have been a mortgage professional, not a realtor. Same. Would, would you, like, it's like being a realtor who doesn't have to work on weekends and evenings. Like They're not going to Timbuktu Friday night at 8 p.m. to show a property to someone they met off the internet, you know, who like <laughs> may ghost them like halfway down the drive. Like, when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich Let's go. This habits, is uh. the Master Keys Podcast. I'm Chandler Halliburton. I'm Neil Andrino. Welcome back. Yeah, we're real estate investors. We do this podcast to talk about wealth growth with a focus on, on real estate. If you find anything interesting here, please like, subscribe follow, share with someone that you might know. We're trying to build this thing as a community-based approach. You know, uh, thanks to all of you who've been coming up and saying hello, saying that you're watching uh, the podcast. Actually, a guy last night at the skate park came up and was like, you that guy from the Master Keys podcast? Oh, that's awesome. So, that's awesome. We love it. We're new to this, so it's exciting. Um, little disclaimer, I've been seeing this ever, but we are not financial advisors. Nope. We're just giving our opinions and our best thought process on a lot of these things. Um, so hopefully it's helping you guys. But again, we're not financial advisors. You don't necessarily need to follow or do what we're saying. We're just telling you what we're doing and what we think is, is one of your better options. Yeah, and what we're having success with and then what we're struggling with. And, you know, we're getting feedback from you guys. And in fact, that leads in perfectly to what we're going to talk about today. We're going to go through a bunch of questions that you listeners have asked us. Uh, so thanks so much. If you got more, put them right below this in the comments section. If you're listening on Spotify or or wherever you listen to your podcast, just reach out to us through social media or, or hop on YouTube and, and give some questions. If you listen here, you may hear uh, one of your questions. We're going to talk about why pricing is still high, a little further conversation on variable, um, some extra surprise ones that I'm going to throw at Neil to see what he has to say, and then some others about vendor take back, financing, and all this stuff that you guys have been asking. So we're going to, you know, go into all of that, and I know there's going to be stuff in there for people uh, to learn from because people are asking us these questions regularly. So we're going to break down all of those. Yeah. Exciting. Today, I am a bit of a zombie. I was already telling you. Yeah. Um, Explain why, because this is relevant. <laughs> so for all of you that have been listening, you know that I started doing Airbnb stuff, um, turned three of my units into Airbnbs. Uh, shout out to my girlfriend. Again, she does it all. She handles it all. Um, and so even though I didn't really have to do anything this morning, she had to get up at 6 a.m. to run out there to get some curtains sorted Hang out. a curtain. Hang a curtain because we have a long-term stay coming up and we got a note that the person from one of our uh, guests that there was no curtains in the bedroom or bathroom and they were uncomfortable, rightfully so. Um, so she ran out there this morning to get sorted at 6 a.m. I'm not an early riser, but I'm obviously awake once the <laughs> party in the house is awake. You're looking like a bit of a hurting unit. And I am okay. a hurting Fades unit nice. this morning. Tight. Yeah, thank you, thank you. Um, so anyways, like I, I texted Chandler this morning. I said, you better bring the heat because I am not. Well, so, the... I, I love this because I was razzing about like how long will Neil last as an <laughs> Airbnb, Airbnb manager because you get that sort of crap and you've already decided that you're not going to run it through the winter. You're going to convert it to longer term stays over the winter. Yeah, because everyone I've talked to that's in Airbnb is just like, don't do the winter. Like you're going to have to drop your rates to keep up the occupancy. You're going to start getting bad reviews because oddly enough, the people that pay less to stay are also going to give you way more heat and shit about it. That's um, not surprising at all. So... There's a, such a demand right now. We're going to try and do long-term stays until maple, uh, April, May, and then put them back on for the summer. Because yeah. it's, like, it's been insane. We listed another one there last week, and within four days, I think we booked six weeks. Not with one person. Like We had like probably eight or ten bookings within four days. So yeah. it was just completely full within a day. Well, what, what's the average there. amount of days that people are staying? Um, that's a good question. I'd probably say around three to five. Like That seems to be Interesting. the okay. consistent yeah, one. Yeah. And then we've had a few longer like two weeks days and now we have i think our first six week coming up uh do you have a minimum day booking like yes we have a minimum three minimum three yeah yeah Uh, okay well i guess two nights minimum two nights so three days um because everyone recommended do not do single nights and we've really been debating it because there is like little slots you know what i mean like where it doesn't overlap perfectly and there's only a one night so technically yeah. No one can even book it. Yeah, yeah. And we're debating doing the one nights, but again, same thing from everyone who's in this business. They tell me one nights are. Yeah, you get uh, so much work because the turnover is the hard mm-hmm. thing, right? Which is why you try to find that perfect compromise between like the longer stays while also maximizing the amount of money. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. The other so, thing, not to drag go. on about it, that's kind of concerning me is I'm. There's like this thing about uh, they came out in articles about Airbnb. People are starting to go back to hotels because Airbnb is getting so friggin' expensive. Oh, I believe it, man. Like, I've, I've stayed in a couple Airbnbs recently. I was like, damn, man. Like, we, we stayed in uh, the South Shore, and I think we paid 
Oh yeah, man, I think it was like three hundred bucks a night, something like that. Yeah. Which like is it was not, nice, but was it was it? Now it's nothing in this world. No, it's was nothing it? crazy. It kind of has a sentimental value for us because we've gone to it multiple times over the years. But it's like if I'm going to pay seven hundred bucks, like at some point for two nights yeah. stay, like and hotels will usually like they'll come clean your room. Yeah, they yeah. have like a, a restaurant in house. They'll have a pool, a gym, and so like that's we're going away, and I'm like. Do we ever look at hotels? Like we automatically go to Airbnb. Oh, 100%. But like, but there's also a case where in some areas, you know, if you want to go more rural, like there just aren't yeah, hotel options, right? Option. So so it'll still be strong in, in that respect, but um at some point, you know, in bigger city centers, I'd be curious to see how that ebbs and flows because there's also something cool. Like think of when some of these cool hotels launched here in Halifax and what a big deal it was to say that you went there and stayed there. Exactly. Like they were Instagrammable and and people were like it was a real thing to go and check out these new hotels and i could see that coming back um but cool so we're going to dive into uh some questions later you might hear your question like i said don't don't hesitate to put your question down below because we will get to them uh i think there's going to be some really good takeaways from that yep. so uh listen for that but let's dive into some news off the hit top me. here uh you want me to hit you okay uh this was a headline and i draw attention to these from time to time because i just think it's important to keep this as part of the narrative out there uh landlords get a lot of heat um oh, but this story came out um, about two of my favorite people in the world, and that's landlords and realtors coming together uh, for the good of humanity. Um, <laughs> this landlord is currently sleeping on the realtor's couch because this poor gentleman in Ontario purchased a home um, and was living in it, and then last August decided that he was going to work abroad for a year. So he rented out his personal residence uh, with a fixed-term lease that was to expire July 31st. Immediately once the tenants moved in, uh, they were late with their payments. They did damage to the property. They actually showed some photos in the article. You can check it out. Just Google Landlord Sleeps on Realtor's Coach. Um, <laughs> like, the property looks rough. There's a sign that has, like, the two guns. You know, it's like, this property is monitored by a crazy B-word. Like, anyone found here at night will be found here in the morning. Like, you know, what these are the not hell? your ideal tenants. So <laughs> just a reminder out there to vet your tenants carefully. Um, do you have that sign in your house? Yeah, yeah, I do. I do. Yeah. Um, my <laughs> wife put it up. Uh, um, so <laughs> Hopefully she's not watching this episode. Um, so the uh, the the land, homeowner comes back and basically is like, well, I need my house back. I'm, I'm moving back now. The lease is up. Yeah. And in addition to, you know, being $13,000 behind in payments, uh, causing a lot of damage to the property, they've also just refused to leave. So at this point now, um, the poor owner is is literally couch surfing uh, because the quickest he could get a hearing uh, is August 29th. So full month, which is actually significantly better than Halifax, by the way. I, I got to say on this, like, so that is quite a bit better than here. And this is actually, remember when, when all this stuff was coming out, I was very concerned that, yeah, it's great, but now hearings are going to be booked out forever. And they are. And they are. Um, but... I, okay, so I agree. Like, I understand them putting the controls on landlords emptying buildings, and I understand the process, and I get that it's helping to stimulate build new stuff and to protect people in those positions um, and to give them, let's say, extended stays with payouts and all that. Like, I'm okay with all of that. But when it comes to somebody, like, reoccupying their own property, like, they need to have an expedited process for that. They need to. Because we have a ton These of buyers are- that will buy properties that have a tenant that are supposed to leave. And like they have legal right and they've purchased it to move into the space and they can't get it. It's like, oh, it's 60 days. But then if the tenant just says no, you have to go to the I, tenancy. Like it's Yeah, I, I think I think on the on the purchase and sale, I, I think it's it's okay how it is. I mean, with if you're a tenant and your landlord sells your property, you have to have some protections. If your landlord sells the property and is like, you gotta be out in 30 days, I genuinely don't think that's quite fair. However, if the owner of a property says something like something has happened in my life and I need to reoccupy my own property. Yeah. Uh, assuming it's it's genuine, then yeah, I think that that does need to be expedited. I think on the sale, two full calendar months is very reasonable because most sales take 45 days to close anyway. Like yeah. I do think that's kind of reasonable, but this is a situation where someone is trying to get into their own property that they own and that they didn't give 30 days notice. They actually gave 12 months notice because it was a 12-month lease. And he told yeah. them, I'm coming back from working abroad 12 months from now. You have to be gone. There's no way that this guy should be in a situation that's where I mean. like, he I, has to wait month plus to get back into his own property while sleeping on, on coaches. It's 60 days here. Like, I think that 60 days is fine, but I think there needs to be a thing. Like, on 60 days, if they don't leave, like, you shouldn't have to go through a hearing process and spend the next six months trying to work on it. It's like, at the end of the 60 days, you should be able to call the sheriff and be like, I need into my home. And I understand it's tough yeah. for somebody to move, but, like, 
60 days is enough time. And again, it's not just for them to come in and reno. It's for them to reoccupy their own home. Um, and realistically, any good tenant who signed the lease would have just left on the day that it ended. Yeah, this isn't this isn't broad stroking all tenants here. This is why anytime tenants like we need a stronger tenancy board, all the landlords are like, yes, absolutely, we need a stronger tenancy board. Yeah, totally agree, a hundred percent. Because both ends, it's, it's a complete mess. Um, and I, I think right now it's it's definitely swaying against the landlords. But yeah. anyways. Uh, some other news, and this is kind of following up because someone asked this. We were, I was talking last time about how many more realtors there are in uh, the U.S., right? There was this big spike in the number of realtors. Yeah. And so coincidentally, shout out all Nova Scotia. If you're here in Nova Scotia and you don't subscribe to, oh, no, to all NS, like, I don't know what's wrong with you. You got to subscribe to all Nova Scotia. Even actually now they're in New Brunswick. and Use our PEI, promo code Master Keys Podcast. We'll take it. <laughs> well, man, like, yeah, I know. Um, anyway, all Nova Scotia just, it's... It's amazing, and they're spreading across Atlantic Canada, and they cover business news, real estate news, political news. You kind of have to. It's a good way to get tapped to, in to here. Be tapped in, yeah. But very serendipitously, they published an article yesterday. Well, it's it'll be a week ago now when this releases about the fact that um, the number, the increase in the number of realtors in Nova Scotia. Did you read this? I did, and I can't okay. remember what the number is, but what is the percentage we're asking? This is a percentage increase uh, since the start of the pandemic. So since 2020, what percentage increase in the number of realtors in Nova Scotia? 26%? Woo! 23%. You undershot. Damn. Yeah, you, you, you didn't you, you forgot about the 3% that left the business. <laughs> Actually probably more than that, but yeah, so we're up 23% in the number of realtors uh since 2020. And what's crazy about that is of that 23%, I think something like the first 18% were in the first 12 months of the pandemic that joined. The thing which is I guess in our like local to us our brokerage, it feels like it's been a lot faster in the last 6 months. Um, but maybe that's just how we grew, or maybe I'm I'm forgetting how many uh, joined at that time. Yeah. Um, but uh, what's our volume again? Our volume overall is down right now. Oh yeah. So we'll, we're, we can get into into the stats, but yeah, the number that's of sales me. in July, like the number of transacted sales in this July compared to last July, is down eighteen percent. So yeah, this is where I'm at. I'm like, we're up twenty six percent in realtors and down eighteen percent in 23. volume. Sorry, up twenty three percent in realtors and down eighteen percent in volume. That's from like, oh God, like it's yeah. it's going to be a tough gig to get into, um, and it's getting a lot more intensive, and you need to be a lot more nitty gritty with your deals because you list places and they don't necessarily sell immediately. The that other being thing said, too, I mean things are changing. But. The other thing too, while the volume is down eighteen percent in July, the total value of the real estate transacted is only down ten percent. That makes kind sense. Of speaks so to the fact that the prices are up. And people don't want to hear that because they're like, all right, you know, market's slowing down, blah, blah, blah. The prices are still up. And we're going to delve into that in a little bit because someone asked about that. Um, but, yeah, there, there's more realtors, presumably, I, so, from a smaller trough. So many young people message me asking about becoming a realtor. And to be honest with everybody, if you're listening and you're debating it. Um, and you get left on red by Neil. And if you get left on red by Neil, which is a very, like, there's a strong, strong chance that that happens. Um I honestly think, like, unless you are extremely passionate and prepared to spend a few years building your business or have some other, like, value piece where you have someone that's a builder or something like that that can feed you for sure, like, I do not recommend necessarily getting into the business right now. Um, again, yeah, unless you're ideal extremely time. motivated. Ideal time. But if you're super keen to get into real estate and, like, you have an aptitude to, to numbers, I think the mortgage broker world uh, is underserviced. Yeah. Because it's like it's not a sexy appraisal everyone world? appraisal world, world? all oh the auxiliary gosh. things, nobody asks about that. Everyone just knows realtor. But there's another group of people that like a mortgage brokers making one, if not two percent on a deal. Uh, you know what I mean? If I if I were to go Appraisers back in time, a making... thousand a thousand percent would have been a mortgage professional, not a realtor. Same. Thousand percent. One thousand that's what, and I say I have a lot of uh, really educated young people that come and ask me, and I'm like, you know your shit. Go in the mortgage broker world. You'll be able to do way more volume. The lifestyle's there. Yeah, would, would you, like it's like being a realtor who doesn't have to work on weekends and evenings. And, I, and I you don't have to drive bro- around all day. Mortgage brokers out there are gonna be like, I work tons, and they do. They do work a number of evenings and weekends. I'm not trying to, but not like realtors. Like they're not going to Timbuktu Friday night at 8 p.m. to show a property to someone they met off the internet. You know, who like <laughs> may ghost them like halfway down the drive. Like it is a different grind, and you still get. 
like and the knowledge base like what they know is is incredible like some of the stuff that we're talking about here about monetary policy and bank rates and all these things if you find that interesting realize that every mortgage broker in the city the good ones at least know that stuff inside out like they have access to all this knowledge it's a great career i feel like we're now we're just promoting career <laughs> life choices um, but man, a hundred percent. That's what I do. And if I didn't do that, I'd maybe be an appraiser. Yeah, I do it. both. But I think there's a conflict. <laughs> well, I was like, I'd like to get all three right now, and then I get to do my own. But um, yeah. yeah, no, a hundred percent. I'm with you on that. The appraiser one, I think, is awesome. But I also look at a lot of my appraisers, and I'm like, this also looks very similar to the realtor gig, where like I'll go to one property, they're with me, they're running through, they're jamming down notes, and then I'll pull out, and I'll see them literally pull out, drive on the street, pull into another house, and get out and start doing the same thing. And I'm like. Okay, like the appraiser thing looks sweet, but also looks kind of intense. They're getting ground to a the nice. Right now the too. nice thing yeah. with both of those businesses, though, is a lot of the back end work can be handled by uh, an administrative team. Yeah, it's a different. If it's a different model, like yeah. I think there's a lot of parts on there that um, you can do. And like I, when I talk to mortgage brokers, like on a really ideal case, technically the person fills out their form, which is an automated thing online. They put together the paperwork, which again is usually submitted online. And an administrator will put it like finalize, make sure everything's there, put, send it to the mortgage broker. He reviews everything, make sure it's all good. Yeah. And then he can almost once you get comfortable with it, he can just pick a bank that he knows is going to approve it. But yeah. Not sure anyways, how we got into that, but like, yeah, that, I digress. Realtors <coughs> way up, uh, the volume of sales way down. The total um, value of those sales is down ten percent as well. So if you want to get into actual like the amount of commissions out there is down at least ten percent year over yeah. year, uh, even though the number of agents is up. Uh, you know significantly over the last two years so kind of interesting there i've got more news if you want to keep, keep it firing. in the news like okay. i said today i need you to bring the bring the fire bring um, the fire well man this is going to be fire to most people but it is interesting as of this morning stack can publish their inflation mm. numbers for july and it's good news it is good news it's good news maybe uh inflation slows to a paltry a measly <laughs> 7.6 percent um and that's down from 8.1 percent in june so what's your reaction exciting um that's like in my head immediate thing i think is like oh wow rate hikes are working oh yeah yeah and is that the case or is it like we just had a ton of inflation last time last year at this time and is that what's offsetting what we're getting here's where i'm not totally sold on 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 it all um gas went down like gas went down significantly yeah gas drives everything no pun intended hey you um so gas (laughs) being down (laughs) let's go vomit gas being (laughs) down is uh a a, a big time leader of this and and isn't that a bit misleading in the sense that when gas goes back up what are we going to see inflation again so now and this is the thing and they they can well what is it i forget what the term is that they use but basically they can shotgun it down like they can control the ability to crank gas down so it gives good numbers and so like politically they can be like all right, we need to bring this down. So we're going to jam gas down by 30% or 25%, make yep. those numbers go down to get us happy. And like the other thing is I just saw gas went back up, I think, like a bit. Also. And I was like, what the hell? So so it is promising. We talked about this when we talked about the American uh, numbers, how uh, they also Im- reported a decline in inflation, and we're celebrating that. Because these numbers lag, that 7.6 mm. that was um, effective you know, July 31st. So we're now three weeks removed from July, it stands to reason that that trend is continuing and that our actual in the moment, up to the minute inflation is down even further. Um, My concern though, did you see the markets yesterday? No, I did not. They did great. Because all that happens is we get this little bit of good news, the markets run up, and then exactly, and my concern is, this is both a plus and a negative. People are so quick to, to celebrate um, or panic, I guess, but they're so quick that will we really slow consumer confidence enough to get this thing down? Because one little bit of good news, I guarantee with this news, the market's going to be up today. I haven't looked yet, but the market will totally. be up. And then when the market goes up, now you have inflationary pressure again. So like, how, how stubborn of a thing will it be to move this down? But the same sentimentality is why I feel really optimistic about next year. Because I'm telling you, when this situation slows down a bit more and when interest rates come back down, we're going to have a strong market next year. I really feel it, man. See, so this is where like I'm I'm feeling like, again, like an idiot today because I just haven't had the chance. You know, I went for a motorcycle ride yesterday evening and I do so much stuff in the evening. And now I feel like like I didn't get a ch- chance to check the markets. I didn't get to do any more. behind any- Cyrus like this? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did not, not go for a ride with that. Cyrus, but Cyrus is a uh, What's that broker, called when you ride in the van? And he also has a bike. 
Oh, pre- okay, we yeah. can't say that. Yeah. That, that's how Neil rides the Cyrus. Shout out Cyrus. But, yeah, so, like, everything you've said honestly just gave me more fear and concern. Because this is my thing. Like, it's like they can manipulate it. And so I found that surprising that that went down. Because I'm like, I don't see that. Like, I'm not seeing it anywhere. And I know gas is down. But it's kind of artificially manipulated down. Yeah, because food prices aren't down. This is the thing. And so yeah. I'm like, I, it makes me more concerned about kind of where things are going. Um, and so, like I said, this morning, I'm back and forth, like, do I feel like an idiot for pausing buying or do I still think that there's more downwards pressure to go? And I'm still like dealing with financing right now. I still feel like there's more downwards pressure to go. Um, but so yeah, I, I'm, I, I'm mixed. Like it's so hard. And even everyone, like I, I'm like, I, I wish I knew better. And I'm like, maybe I'm like, what am I not understanding? But I see the big boys, like the REITs out there are like, we're pausing because we don't know what's happening. Like that's literally yeah. what they're what they're what they're saying in their statements. Like I'll say it well, Crombie, they're public. Like they they just paused a big project here in our city. Um because yep. they said just uncertainty. They said they didn't have a specific reason. Like they couldn't say it's just because they're inter- like they don't like we want to see what happens. Everything's lined up. They said they had the construction done, finance, everything was in place. Literally they were ready and to shout out Donnie Clow, one of the smartest guys you'll ever meet. Yeah. And he said, I'm we're pausing this due to uncertainty in the market to see where things are going. Because maybe maybe the market crashes, they can save twenty percent next year. Yeah. Right. Like they don't know, or maybe things are nuts and they end up spending way more than the budget. Like, so, um, yeah. And so that uncertainty for me is still, I don't like uncertainty. If you feel uncertain, there's one thing I can be certain about oh is that you like this podcast. So <laughs> oh smash like gosh. right now. See how I slipped that in there? That was good. I'm trying to work, work the, the I, likes. I asked Chandler to bring the heat this morning, not corny bad jokes. <laughs> <laughs> zing, zing. All right. Um, I mean, again, my concern is that we're going to get to a point where people view five to 6% inflation as like really good. And we just learn to live with that. Mm. Um, and man, like I don't know what that'll mean for rates. Um, and it'll it'll put a pretty aggressive run on things. Which yeah, man, I'm a bit concerned about how quickly we are quick we are to celebrate some of these things. And with a little bit of time left here in August, like you said, gas is back up, the markets are back up. Real estate seems to be getting a little hot again. I don't know if you've yeah, noticed Yeah, real this. estate's picking back up. And that's what I was going to say a quick story that I have. I just pulled this up, and it, it double, like it relates to something I'm dealing with here. But it's a Toronto Star article about two homes that recently sold well over ask. So one in Scarborough, uh, listed for 688 sold for 900 So okay. same shit that we were yep. seeing before everyone got freaked out about the rates. Um, and then another one that listed, um, and it went up for... 920 and it sold for 980 and or 950 and went up for sold for 980 which isn't a huge percentage over yeah but it's that same concept of we are now selling over prices again and for a million dollar home like that's ones i talked about where interest rates really impact them because on a mortgage of a million bucks like it's a huge amount of extra interest that you're going to pay on a monthly basis yeah but to double this down i just experienced this here in town i think i mentioned it last week but we had a listing on market for four weeks yeah with no offers and then last weekend we had three and we sold over ask. Yeah. And doing one today that I think we're expecting seven offers on. And so I'm like, I think like Well, a couple things are going on. There's there. a summer slowdown plus co- the yeah, rates. Exactly. So some of this was misleading because July is always a bit of a slow month. So part of this, like, oh, real estate's slowing down. It must be the rates. It's like, no, it's because it's July, man. July always sucks. People are away. I can't get any realtors on the phone. They're all like, oh, I've got poor reception where I am. Like, they're all away. Everyone's at the beach. You know, July's just a slow I month. I did have four reception, Chandler. <laughs> okay. Um, so, so some of this is just July slowdown, and now we're coming back around. So that that's part of it um, while the market's picking up again a, a little bit here. The other thing is people have built up a tolerance to these rates. Right? Like, okay, my rates have gone up. This is the new normal. I'm living with it. I still want to move. I still want to get out of my apartment. I still want to get out of my parents' basement. We're still making this move happen. And so they're back out there, and they're buying. The other thing is now they have rate holds that look pretty good based on future projections. True. All of a sudden now they're like, you know what? My rate hold of 4.25, which I wasn't thrilled about a while ago, now is about to expire. And I kind of want to take advantage of that. So they're out there buying. And this is why, you know, the the rate increase uh, of September 7th, which is kind of predicted to be um, 50 basis points, I'm not sure what they're going to do. They're going to do at least 50, but part of me, and I almost don't want to say this, and you're not going to like me say this, part of me feels like it should be more than 50 basis points because I think... I'm just like, Chandler, are you buying all your real estate cash or do you carry debt? I don't know. (laughs) (laughs) I'm just saying, like, bigger picture, man, if we actually want to slow this sucker down. 
I, I, I agree. I agree that it probably. No, I don't agree. I don't agree. I'm signing a mortgage right now. I'm signing a mortgage right now for six percent. I don't think. I don't think this should be going more. That's that's a money too. I'm getting a money. I actually didn't sign six because I took a variable. Yeah. I, I thought of Chandler as I signed Ride it. Ride or die, baby. <laughs> Let's go. But um, that's also why I don't want it to go up a bunch because I just signed a variable. Yeah. But the fixed one year was 6%. And like, I'm going to ask you this because I think people want to know. And I think it's something that we have to ask almost every week now. This is not something that we can just do once every quarter. But what are you suggesting to people then? For buying? Okay, this is for on buying. The, this before, is on the before, no, but for buying. I was at before you get into rates and stuff. Okay. What would you tell somebody now? So a few weeks ago, we said, now is the best time to buy, on, on, and on. But now you're saying that you think rates are going to go 50, if not more. Yeah. Do you still stand by your feeling of to buy or not to buy? Man, I still feel like there are great buying opportunities here. I think, though, there was a nice little window in July. And I think August and September are going to be busy. We're feeling it already. I, 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 I really do feel that. There's always an August rush and a September rush. I think there's going to be, I think there is in this exact moment, and it's maybe closing a really good buying window because sales were down significantly um, in the month of July. Like, if for a lot of brokerages and a lot of agents, July was like the worst month in, in a long time. But here, August, you feel it bubbling back. September's going to be the same. That's the normal ebb and flow. And then it drops off a cliff again. Uh, October, November, December. And I think there's going to be another real opportunity October, November, December because between now and then there's going to be two rate increases. So, you know, that is the double-edged sword of rates go up, market slows down, but can you be opportunistic and purchase in, in a lull period and get a good deal? So, yeah. Stand by it. I stand by it. I still think it's a great time time to yeah. buy. Like, But it's it's you have to pick your battles here within it and you have to be rate savvy, which for me, like I'm, I'm still rolling variable or if I'm going fixed, I'm going super short term on it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I, I'd say I probably agree with you on that. Um, agree. There was some crazy deals this summer. I even kicked myself in the butt. There's a few places that I have favorited that I've been watching. Nothing, 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 nothing. I texted both of them today and they both have accepted offers. And yep. I was like, you guys had nothing. AK's for a m- over, baby. Yeah, you had nothing for a month. And now they're like, yeah, we had a bunch of showings last week and we got an offer we didn't like. We had another one. We took it. And I'm yep. like, this is craziness. And I saw a couple places yeah. firm up for asking the other day, and I was like, "All right, we're we're back in business." Um, but I, I, I'm as an inv- on the on the residential side, I think it's still a good time to buy. I agree with you, man. In the summertime, I heard from builders that were willing to negotiate on their prices, which they have not done in years, yeah. years. Um, and I bet you they're going to go back to not being willing to negotiate here very soon. Um, as an investor, do you feel the same way, or do you think there's going to be opportunities <sighs> coming down the pipe for people who made not the greatest buys? Because uh, I saw some pretty crazy ones that went in the spring where I'm like, that's a lot per door, or you probably shouldn't be building right now. Do you yeah, think you're going to see some stuff there? I think there's this misconception, and again, some of this is into the questions which we've got to dive into here in a moment, of why prices aren't coming down. Like, if you see all these things, the number of listings are up, uh, the rates are up, uh, prices are coming down in peripheral areas. Transaction volume is down. Transaction volume is down, but like generally speaking... If we're barely moving the needle, considering that rates are double what they were before, double what they were before, and you know the number of listings is up double-digit percentages across North America, mm-hmm. like up significantly, mm-hmm. how come prices are still high? And I did a reel about this before, why prices aren't going to come down as much as you think. Yeah. Um, Nobody and, liked it. You know, n- no one liked it. It was not a hit. Um <laughs> But it was right, so it was. <laughs> F you guys. I mean, people aren't going to voluntarily give their homes away. The other thing that we don't realize, you know, it's something like, and, and I'm jumping ahead now, 65% of Canadians own a house, okay? Like, of strong. people who are, like, of age own homes. So 65% yeah. of Canadians own a house. Around half of them have a mortgage, right? That's a lot lower than I thought. Yeah. So only about... Half of the homeowners out there even have a mortgage. And you know what? The vast majority of them are on fixed rates. The vast majority. They haven't even felt this yet. They haven't even felt so, it actually, yet. 75% of them. Yeah. Like, so, um, you know, it's, and, and also, the other thing is something like, of the people that don't have mortgages, 90% of them are over 45. Makes right? Sense, so. Yeah. You know, those houses that you want in certain neighborhoods where it's like, oh, man, that old established neighborhood, that downtown core, oh, this aging mature area where like the empty nester might sell. Those people don't have a mortgage. And if they do, it's fixed. 
mm-hmm. right? Like, so they are not feeling this pressure to sell off. And in fact, people who have variable products, yes, they're getting hammered in the gut, but what are their options? Sell at a loss and move to an overpriced apartment because they're going through the roof, like buy down and buy something cheaper. That's not necessarily the option. So they're going to hunker down and they're going to not sell their property. Yeah. Right? Like that's what's going on right now because people have that option. Like they will go without a lot of other things in their life before they go without their house. So this mass sell-off that people were expecting that would result in a declining price, the numbers bared out, it isn't happening. It's probably, well, it's not going to happen to the degree that people think. Yes, there are some periphery areas that are dragging down the national average. Like we said, it's down about 4%. But here locally, we're up. Prices are up 9.5% since 2021. Are they down since the high in April? Absolutely. But year over year, they're up 9.5%. They're up 31% from 2020. They're up 51% since 2019. That's disgusting. So this mass sell-off isn't going to happen, and the reason is the vast majority of people that own houses, you know, either have a fixed mortgage or no mortgage at all. Yeah, and like, where are you going to go? That's, there's no inventory. And this is, again, we've said it a bunch of times, the difference between now and 2008. 2008 in the States, they had a shitload of inventory. It's like they said in the, in the what's the movie? Um, the Big Short. The Big yeah. Short. And they, like, interviewed a stripper, and she's like, yeah, I got three houses. And yeah. they're like, what in the world? Those ninja mortgages, because yeah. they're fake approvals. Exactly. So that's... I mean, now this is where I'm like, I'm a little nervous about places like BC and Ontario, and I think they kind of saw it because they did take a bit of a beating uh, right off the hop because there yeah. was there is some of that, I think, going on there. Um, but I'm with you. At the end of the day, we've talked about it. It's super simple. It doesn't matter what goes on. You can play with all the levers, but if there's no inventory, nobody's going anywhere. Yeah, I got totally sidetracked there because you asked me about as an investor. As yeah. an investor, it's different because a lot of investors mm-hmm. predominantly have taken variable products, especially over the last few years, mm-hmm. right? And you know how it is. Like you're lucky to make a hundred bucks, two hundred bucks a door. Mm-hmm. With these increases, you make zero. You bucks. might be making zero bucks a door, or even minus a little bit. It's like, all right, minus a hundred bucks a door. It's no big deal when the market's appreciating. So like, listen, I'm losing a hundred bucks a door, but the place is going up five thousand bucks a month. Right? I'm laughing. Well, right now the place is going down, or at least staying steady, and you're losing a hundred bucks a door, and you've got, you know, maybe now you're losing four hundred bucks a door because rates are through the roof, and you got twelve doors. Like, hmm, now I'm losing 5000 bucks a month and I'm not getting the appreciation. So there's got to be yeah. some pressure on these investors. The difference is... It's the takeouts for me. Well, the takeouts are going to be problematic, but you see it more in those bigger markets where people would buy these condos purely to throw a tenant in there. Like, I'm going to mm-hmm. pay half a million bucks for the condo. I'm going to throw a tenant in there at... 2500 bucks a month. Yeah. And it's great because I put 20% down. The rate was dirt cheap. I was paying about, you know, yeah. 17, 1800. Making money you know, I was making stuff. money, but even with my condo fee, I was breaking even. It's like, well, now you're losing 500 bucks a month on this condo that's not going up in value. Yeah. Um, and those people might see some pressure to sell. But the single family home in that like awesome established neighborhood that you love and you're like just waiting for that boomer to like, get in trouble well man that boomer probably has no mortgage <laughs> he's not getting in trouble right so anyway we're jumping all around yeah. here i've got um a couple little other news things a, a lighter one uh this happened in nevada this woman went to buy her new construction property and down there they use like notaries or what do they call what they use down there to close they don't use lawyers to close transactions there they use um oh, i can't remember if you know the answer comment down below it's a notary isn't it yeah, is it a notary i think so there, there's another term for it as well that. down there yeah. um but someone was just trying to do the files and had pressed copy and pasted and, and accidentally, instead of um, titling over one property to this woman, they accidentally titled over her property plus 84 additional building oh, lots and two additional common uh, like green spaces for the neighborhood. So instead of one property, she accidentally got 86 others. Um, because, and the reason they looked into it's like the person was pressing copy and paste and threw all the PIDs <laughs> on there. And so all of them got transferred over to her, which is hilarious. That what um, title insurance covers? I, I looked into it was like, no backsies? Like, can we. <laughs> Can she I gets to keep it, doesn't she? This is like no. I saw this once where a guy no, with an ATM man. where he opened his account and it was like $300 million or something in his ATM account. And he was just like withdrawing as much money as he possibly could. And when they asked the money back, he's like, well, I've spent it. And then he didn't have an obligation to give it back as far as I understood. 
What? Mm, I don't know. Something about that sounds suspect. But there's something also, in, in contract laws like the intent matters, right? Like if someone mm. makes a mistake and the intent is so obviously for it to have been something else, yeah. then that's what hand, like if the intent is debatable, like, you know, maybe she was expecting that they were selling her all 86 properties for that, but like that wouldn't hold water. Um, so, but they have to go through this really complicated thing of undeeding them and, and transferring title back to the developer. Shout out Angela for giving that. Yeah, yeah. To you. But, yeah uh, Angela sent the story over. Yeah, yeah. Um, that is kind of weird. I, I'm going to tell a quick little story that I made a mistake on this one time. So I'm not going to say who, where, but um, as a realtor, I made this mistake and it happens. Mistakes happen. But it was a waterfront property where it was two pids and the house was one and the waterfront was a second. Oh, my God. Neil, did you forget to sell them the waterfront? And I forgot to throw the waterfront in there and we closed. But here's oh the thing. Oh, my God. I missed it. My assistant at the time then missed it. The other agent missed it. And both lawyers missed it. Well, the lawyer, don't blame the lawyers on this, man. How, how would they know that you were supposed to get both PIDs? Okay, all right. I'm not. I'm not. I'm just saying. No, everyone. Nobody. Nobody saw it. But I'm. I'm completely at fault. I'm. I'm agreeing and understand that I'm completely at fault. Oh but nobody God, saw it dude. or said a word about it. We close, and then I forget what went oh down. But they went to go do something on the waterfront or something like that, and it. It didn't. It wasn't there. Like it wasn't theirs. And uh, thankfully, they had bought the house, and the person they sold them was the neighbor, and they were very nice. Oh my goodness! Oh, that's what it was. It was Ooh, the mail. The mail man. came in for the property tax. The property taxes came in oh. for the waterfront, and the neighbor came over and he said, "It's still got my name on it." Anyways, super nice man. guy. He sent it over, but I remember calling our broker, being like, "So I think." Like you call the broker, it's like, "Hey, is our errors and emission insurance up to date?" Because <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna be a big claim. It's gonna be a big one. Yeah, but um, anyways, very nice guy. He just needed it. He needed it over, oh and gosh. everything went off great. But uh, that would be one of my biggest mistakes ever. And uh, now I double check the PIDs five times over, and uh, we'll move on. All right, guys, thanks for listening up until this point. If you liked it, hit the like button, subscribe. Keep listening because we're about to answer a bunch of questions you guys sent in about vendor takebacks, our promissory notes. We also talk about lessons learned up until this point in the year. Chandler and I have some good ones, so stay tuned. We also were talking about rents in the last episode, so I wanted to highlight. Uh, I found a list of like decent rents across the country, and yep. it was interesting because you talked a little bit about Alberta cost of living. I also talked a little bit about how there's still many affordable areas uh, in Canada. Um, so... I'm just going to throw some some areas at you for two-bedroom apartments, and you can tell me what you think they rent for. Okay. Um, well, first of all, the average July rent across Canada was $1,934. For a two-bedroom? Uh, just in general. That was just across, across the board. Holy. Across Canada. Like, giant beep. Like, what the? And that's up 10% from last year. So we were talking about how, you know, rents in the States oh, have gotten up there, but uh, across Canada, the average okay. is, is just over $1,900. Um, but I'm here, two bedrooms. What do you think a two-bedroom in Lloydminster will cost you? These can be skewed. It's like an O&G town, and right now it's bumping. So this is based on this last month? Uh, yeah, in July. But it's Lloydminster, man. Yeah, but it's people are out there making money. Okay. Um, mm, $1,380? $977. Really affordable in Lloydminster. Well, I, mean, I was going to say, because the only reason I even went lower than the average after saying what I said was I lived out west in a work town where everyone made bank, and I was renting a two-bedroom for like 980 bucks. Yeah. But that, was three year, that was three years ago. So here's another one. But, but there's also some ebbs and flows since then, right? So, yeah. yeah. Um, Saskatoon, Regina, <laughs> in that area. <laughs> where, how do you think? Coming out here. Um, Don't neglect our friends out there in Saskatchewan. No, I, I got one friend there. Uh, shout out, Patrick. Um... Ah, oh, now you get me all messed up. Eleven twenty, not bad. It's about eleven sixty, eleven seventy five, somewhere in there. Yeah, Patrick, Patrick so told if me you're before. looking for an affordable two bedroom, check out Saskatoon or Regina, um, Edmonton. We talked about this and how reasonable rents are in Edmonton. So, what's a two bedroom in Edmonton costing right now? Now is he tricking me by saying reasonable rent? City of Champions. <laughs> this guy. Um, it was still the eighties. Um, if you, twelve eighty. Thirteen thirty-three, very uh, reasonable bad. for a two-bedroom in a major city like Edmonton. I hear they have a great mall. They so. have a large mall. Uh, <laughs> Red Deer. A lot of Alberta out west stuff, eh? Um, Which speaks to we we're talking about cost of living and how ten fifty, uh, twelve hundred. 
Okay. Yeah, yeah. I guess Red Deer's growing a bit more. Yeah. Yeah. But those are pretty reasonable rates for two-bedroom apartments, especially based on the national average. Are you just trying like to push everybody from here to Alberta? Like, what's the deal? I'm just... Um, these are just observations, buddy. These are just observations. You got any more news, or should we go into some questions no, here? No, like listeners? I said, I wasn't, I wasn't too prepared. The only thing that I was going to bring up, and I brought this up while we were sitting here, is Blackstone, which I called BlackRock about 20 episodes ago and got yep. absolutely roasted online for it. But uh, anyways, Blackstone is preparing a $50 billion fund to buy real estate during the downturn. Oh, that's sick. That's, that's a couple bucks. If they got 50 bill, that means they're buying $200 billion worth of real estate. Um, this is the stuff that it still got me wow. sidelining. And it's I'm like, as an investor, I'm like kind of on the fence because I'm, I'm like, I think there's going to be deals to come. My biggest one is the takeouts. Like if you're building a brand new building right now and it's your first one at any size, you know, everyone knows that you're going to need at least 75% to get out and cover your construction cost. And Unless you're going through one of these CMHC programs, but yeah. Hey, well, no, yeah, I'm, but I'm just saying you need that to get out. Oh, I'm not saying yeah, you're not yeah, saying yeah, what yeah. you're going to get, but yeah. you need that to get out. And I'm seeing, like, I'm doing a takeout right now with record rents, like probably, well, 25% more than I did on my last takeout on the exact same building down the street. And I'm taking out less money. And it's yeah. like with rents that yeah. are 25% higher. Um, and that's because your payment goes up by more than 25% when interest rates go up by 200%. Um, so again, long story short, I'm just like, I think BlackRock is thinking there's going to be a bunch of people doing this. Again, the states where they have more inventory, it's even more of a potential yeah. issue. Um, but I'm just... We get so much of our news out of the states, and we have to be realistic that we're in a different market, man. We are Canada's like, a very, very, very different, different market. Um, but I just think if you're an investor, kind of kind of keep uh, eyes on things. If there's still good deals, you can buy them now. Scroll up for a second. Though. But just just keep it keeping in mind that like I think there's going to be people that aren't going to get the takeouts, and you're going to be able to scoop stuff up at a better, better price point. And People won't necessarily be able to take a loss, but even if you can get into them at cost, you're going to save a lot. That is wild. F- Fifty billion is pretty serious. Like that's two hundred well, billion dollars. But basically, in the world, saying, I mean, it doesn't go very far. But basically, what they're saying is, we feel there's going to be blood in the streets, right? And that's a great time to invest. And so they are stacking their coffers as big as they can to buy like clear out stuff. And if you know about Blackstone, they have a bit of a dubious reputation. Um, <laughs> And this shift towards, like, major, major conglomerate landlord models, um, it's it's, it's a scary thing. We talked about this in past episodes. Uh, Look into them and and look in, you know, I've said this before, if you don't like your mom and pop landlord or if you don't like your slightly larger but local landlord, imagine something like this and, you know, how you might feel like just a number in that big wheel machine. Uh, Okay. Listen, let's get into some questions from listeners now. Uh, Again, if you've liked what you heard so far, if you just want to support, if you have any questions, throw down the comments, throw some likes. Uh, These are some questions that have come in. This first one here, Neil, I feel we've covered it to to some degree here, but if you want to kind of add anything to it, question number one, why are prices still high? We just went over it. Yeah. There's no inventory. The people, like you said, a bunch of people, what is it, half don't have mortgages. They're, where are they going to go into an overpriced apartment? Um, and like people that were going to buy, well, they, they're still buying. Like at the end of the day, and the rates yeah. are up, but they're not atrociously bad. It's not like out of this world. It's still an option to go out and buy. And people are seeing that in the future, they should be able to make money on their property. So, but as like a super basic, like nothing, you don't need to add up all the things, it's inventory. We just don't have the inventory that's going to cause the prices to go down. Yeah, no one wants to hear this, but even in spite of all these rate increases, there's not enough pressure on sellers to start liquidating properties in most of the markets of Canada. Yeah. So that is why prices are still high. You got uh, one for me? Yeah, I got one. I got one from the Instagram, uh, just brand. I don't know if that's their entire IG handle, but uh, thanks for sending the question. They're asking about vendor take back mortgages, which we cover in depth on our Patreon. So check that out if you guys want a really detailed answer. Yeah, yeah. That's not the only question that people have asked is about vendor take backs or private money going into that in more detail. Um, Check out our Patreon if you haven't. We've got episodes there now on private money, on vendor takebacks, on zero down financing, on debt service coverage ratio, yeah. um, you know, how to access property owners and track down potential deals. So we got a bunch in the that, pipe that we keep putting out. Yeah, it's kind of the 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 nerd end of stuff. It's it's high level. If you're interested, check out our Patreon uh, for more on that. Uh, we get into all of that nitty gritty. Yeah, um, but I'll, I'll answer his questions here on a high level. Um, so number one, uh, he said, if you did take a vendor take back, what are some big things to look out for and be aware of? Again, check stuff out. We'll give you all the specific details, but I'd say one thing 
for me is making sure the terms are reviewed by your lawyer and they are not like super favorable for one party or the other. They're very similar to our regular mortgage. Yeah. And understanding your payment back options. Like, can you pay it back earlier? Exit strategy. Um, Yeah. Exit strategy is everything in addition to rates and is it interest only and all all these other things. Number two, he said, how do you decide on a reasonable interest rate? That's a negotiation you need to have. We talk about some techniques on where where we think where it should be and kind of how to base it, but it's really a negotiation. I've had some that have done zero and I also have had some that do 1% a month. So like it goes completely across the board and you really need to negotiate that uh, and see what the other person's interest is are they trying to get you in their property are they trying to take back their property at the end of it all yep Um, last thing is do you know any lawyers in halifax that can handle it for them and we do uh we will respond to you with some uh and like on that note if people are looking for referrals for lawyers and agents across the country we can help you with that we helped another group uh, in new brunswick uh, line up with an investor agent that has properties himself buys and sells and is specializes in the multi-unit space and so we can help you find the right people we vet them ourselves we interview them we usually have personal relationships with them and we will do that to help you guys kind of grow grow your business wherever you are yep so wherever you are check that out um as an investor aren't you now just relying on rents going up because of the increase in interest rate? Um, I mean, in general, like your business is collecting rents. That's where you make your money. Uh, so yes, you always relied on rents going up. Um, interest rates going down definitely helps. But realistically, I think if you're a small-time investor, it's not as impactful as like the really big institutional ones um, because you'll see properties that don't even trade based on like what's going on because these high value rental properties are selling based on 35% down or 50% down in a lot of cities. So yes, I think you are now definitely relying on rents going up a lot and you always were. Um, But there's all the other things we've talked about before too, is like making sure you have a good location and development rights and all those things are always going to play a factor in how you make your money, whether the rates are up or down. Like if you make a good buy now and they, you're able to get the zoning changed on a piece of land, it's still going to go up immensely in value, regardless if the rate's four or one. Yeah, I think it kind of depends on if you're if you're in a like you're talking about a property that you're going out to buy, or is a property you have currently. I mean, if it's property you have currently, you're sort of looking at this as a as a period of, of weathering the storm and hoping that you had a good investment to begin with. That yeah, your numbers get leaner month to month, but they're not uh, in the negative or or they're not uh, crushing you or anything like that. Uh, on the purchase side, I think you're more waiting or being mindful of the fact that, um, yeah, the, the rising rates will help, but really you have to get the property at a lower price, right? Like cap rates are going up, which means pricing should be coming down. So you're not just reliant on future higher rents. You're relying on hopefully getting a, a better deal and also looking at the fact that you might have to put more money down on a property, which will in turn you know, the, the, the irony of putting more money down on the property, even though we don't like doing it, it improves the cash flow, right? So it depends if you're if you're referring to a property you're in now or a property that you might um, get into. Uh, I had this question, which is another one where it's like, I take issue with the question, but it says variable rate is about to go above the five-year fixed. Are you still going variable? I think you answered that question a moment ago. But. Yeah, I mean, I just took a variable. Yeah. Um, like I said, my biggest thing was, whatever it was three months ago when we first talked about it before the 100 basis point hike i was all for taking a fixed for like a year or two take a fixed at this point now i think we're we're cusping out near the top end of where the rates are going to go even if the inflation doesn't cool like they're not they can't afford to take rates to this eight to ten range i don't think it's it's an option um so at this point now i would be still taking a variable um it is a little weird i was just saying i signed one just now, and it was very well. It's commercial money, so it's a little more expensive than residential. But one year was six point oh three, two year was five point seven five, but yeah. a five year was five point six four. Right. So it's cheaper to go five year, which you never really see. But that's an indication, typically, that rates are going to go down. Um, I ended up taking a variable at five point four, I believe it was five point four five. Um, really, gotcha. So well, I mean, there's a couple things with that. I don't necessarily the, the variables are going up, but they're still not past the fixed rates. Like I know that there's fixed rates out there right now, five year fixed that you can get on residential um, insured at like 4.6. Yeah. Right. But prime rates right now are still 4.7, which means if you're on a prime minus 0.5 or prime minus one, your variable rates right now on residential um, can be as low as 3.7 still. Mm-hmm. And yes, they're going to go up another 50 points and then probably another 50 points. So by the end of the year, 
they will probably go past that 4.6. Like they may even hit up to 5, 5.2 on the high end on your variable stuff, depending on, on what type of variable mortgage you have. But I still feel like we're one, not there. And two, if we do crescent over it, then it's going to start rolling over and coming back down. Now, are there some people who locked in at 3.5 maybe three months ago and are feeling like really good about it? Mm -hmm. Absolutely. That's a good fixed rate. I think we all would have said that is a good fixed rate. Um, yeah. But I still don't see like with the, the question with this is that variable rates going above the five-year fixed. They're not yet. And even after the next rate increase, they're still not. Is that gap absolutely narrow? 100%. Um, but I don't think it's going to, if it, if it goes over, it's going to turn over pretty quickly right after that. Yeah, no, agreed. Um, next question, uh, from Instagram, Jay Slayman. Uh, thank you guys for your podcast. So thanks for listening. We appreciate yeah, you. Yeah. Um, he says, I have great credit and my mother's credit is not great. She has oh, a government yeah, job, yeah. but I'm a business owner. Can she be a co-signer? So he's basically looking to take his in or her income, um, and his credit because yeah. his income as a business owner isn't I thought I was, qualified. I can't remember. Um, I believe you did on yeah, there. Yeah. But. So basically what I said is, unfortunately, you can't pick and choose what part of the port of the profile you want to add, right? Like, so if she has great income but poor credit and you have great credit but poor income, you can't just take the best of both and jam them together. It's the full picture, right? So there are some cases where, the like, you have to have a good broker to present your file in the best possible light, Um and, you know, it may be beneficial to add that particular co-signer who's got great income but poor credit, or it could be detrimental. I say it could be a right? detriment, So yeah. um, the, the short answer is, no, you can't just pick and choose. The long answer is, but it still may be worthwhile to add her to the file. I, I will see this sometimes where I have clients that have amazing incomes but poor credits. Yeah. And we can't do anything for them, even with, like, co-signers and stuff, because yeah. they, they still need to qualify on their own. Yeah. Um, Yes, as a, com as a combination, if you're both good, they will up your value. So it's not like one person has yeah, to totally. carry the whole thing. Yeah. Um, but if you are if you have credit, it's a really tough one. If, if your credit's down, it's it's credit tough stuff. to get around it because it can be a detriment to everyone else on that file. Um, yeah, so 100%. Yeah. It, I, would, I would suggest, again, looking to a broker to see what he can do with your business income um, to try and see if there's a way to work that more so like yeah 100%. i was talking with another agent in the office and they were like oh i had to claim this much this year to get my mortgage and i'm like i was able to get my broker to take my corporation's income and get an exception approved based on the fact that my corporation makes the money and i personally yeah, don't totally. draw that much so yeah. uh, i would suggest again talking to a broker that can potentially steer you in the right direction yeah yeah having a good broker partner is 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 everything you got yeah. another one for me uh yeah let me see what the next one i had here was do 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 uh, hey guys, I'm Chris, another Instagram, big fan of the podcast. Thanks for uh, listening, Chris. Um, he is becoming a planner, so he's got a long message oh, yeah, here. Yeah. Um, he goes, I know you've touched briefly on planners in past podcasts, and I was just wondering if you could give me a bit more insight into the role that a planner plays in development projects uh, and any experience that you've had working with planners. I'll be going to grad school for planning in the fall and just want to know what's out there in the private sector with developers, as I'm not super keen to work in the government. Uh, big shout out planners. I think I've pumped planner tires here a, a lot because they just have this huge knowledge base. Yeah. And in answering this question as well, I think I said something effective like, essentially planners unlock the potential of the development, right? If you've got a piece of dirt, it's the planner who can say what you can do with that piece of dirt. Yep. So that means interpreting, zoning, uh, understanding limitations, understanding possible exceptions, understanding the development uh, application process in that given uh, municipality or area, uh, how to get up zoning, what obstacles you might face from the neighborhood if there's any public hearing component of it. They understand all of that. I think they are the primary integral part of development, and an architect will not maybe like that. Jesus, um, but man, planners, man, they're the information they have is amazing, and their role in development is. They are the starting, they are the key to development. If you're looking for a free lunch, uh, Chandler's taking all planners out for lunch and he'll just I'm just jealous of the knowledge they have. Again, we were talking about other career choices, man. No, Ooh, I, yeah, I, I'm with you 100%. It is incredible. I would say my, my advice to you, Chris, having dealt with a few myself, is like Chandler said, become an absolute freak about everything in your area in the planning world. Know the, the document inside and out, and that'll make you like. Un invaluable like you will not be able to be replaced wherever you go work and you'll likely with a few years of experience could even as a young person go out and start your own firm because 
people will trust you. If you sit down with any developer or someone and say, yeah. hey, look, like, and you just chat with them, they'll know instantly. They're like, you know your stuff inside out. They will give you projects. And there's also a ton of, I'll say for myself, like small people that are trying to get into development where when I walk into these big planning firms, they are so slammed. Like they my little slammed. projects, yeah. they're not interested. And sometimes they're quirky because I'm buying weird properties that nobody else wanted to deal with. And so if you come into this world with the knowledge and a ton of expertise and become a nerd about the the planning um was it planning uh, paperwork? I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Then you can help people like me get started. And the second you have a few successes, like it goes in the news, right? Like you make a cool project go through. Overnight, your phone's gonna ring ten more times. Your fees go through the roof. Like I think there's a ton of opportunity in the private world, but you also need to look to cities that are growing. Like you can't go to a city that's population shrinking and expect to go be super busy as a planner. You might be, but realistically, yeah. if you want to be in like a high-paced environment, get really cool projects, you need to look at Canada and see Canada again is growing like mad. But you look at the cities that are growing the most uh, and go to those. And I know for a fact in Halifax. Every planning office, every uh, private agency is slammed to the gills. And so you go to any of these guys, and I'm sure they would be interested in, in bringing you on, even if as a subcontract to help out. Yeah, man. Um, it's a classic example of knowledge being power, like in yeah. the, the knowledge that planners have. It is super cool. I, I find city. myself reading the zoning docs yeah. throughout, and like I wish I had the time and understanding to really know the nitty-gritties because there's so many little asterisks, like, I read the first high level and it's like, you can do four units. But then I'll talk to a planner. It's like, oh man, you can do 12 units there because there's actually a thing in that area or based on the fact that the property is already sitting there or because you have this much frontage. And like, there's so many yeah. little little nuances that they know. property. So what you can do in the backyard is yeah. change. You're, you're going to help yeah. people make uh, basically a ton of money and you're going to help people like really unlock the full potential of their property. And the second you do one really good, you do really good for one person, you're, you're honestly, I feel like you're set. Yeah. So, uh, okay, we're going to end on this question, or do you have another one for me? Nope, that's my okay. last one. Uh, I thought this was a good one because it's been such a tumultuous year, and we're now, I mean, uh, it makes me sick to say this, we're almost eight months through this year. It's cold outside. We're two-thirds through 2022, and it seems like just yesterday we were doing our New Year's Eve special, talking about goals for the year. I'd love to actually back-check that and see what our goals were and all this oh, stuff. No. But, um, <laughs> what have you learned this year we're all about learning this is why we do this podcast man we want people to learn if you're learning something don't forget to press like i have learned that the boc is full of shit Ooh. <laughs> yeah. so it's not a terrible lesson yeah no they told me they were increasing rates till next year i had a lot of projects coming to a close this year and they raised them in advance and so i've learned like i have with anything in business you need to prepare for the unexpected um and also i've learned to never let off the gas i let off the gas for a little bit at the start of this year um, just as a personal decision, I wanted to, to take some time. And if you're in business and you have the intention to grow and go really big, you can never let off the gas. There's no coasting. You're either growing or you're shrinking. And I learned that the hard way. And I'm not necessarily regretful for it because right now I'm small. And I think that the lesson that I learned hopefully will power through for the rest of my career. But never let off the gas. Always prepare for the worst. And also, I never buy optimistically. I, I, I felt the pressure so hard to to be super aggressive because everybody was right. And yep. I'm, I, I, I'm glad I stayed true and didn't. Um, but you can like, there were so many buys going through I'm like, man, am I going to regret this? Am I going to regret this? But I'm doing a takeout on a property or a bunch of takeouts right now on a bunch of different properties. And I'm glad that I didn't buy the stuff that I was hesitant about because it could have really screwed my, my whole plan up. Cause I would have been stuck with a bunch of stuff and down the road, there'll be equity and down the road, the takeouts will be there. But again, as a small time person, like, I'd be stuck with those and my income's shrinking. Obviously, we just talked about realtors uh, are, are losing income right now. So with everything going on, I'm glad I played kind of the way I did. So again, long story short, you got you to gotta play super cautious because it doesn't matter. BOC, the government, any of that stuff, rules can change. What they say can change. And I think my other thing is just never let off the gas. If you intend to grow your business consistently and, and want to go to the top, I think you have to just be full throttle all the time. Yeah, I think those are great points, and, and mine were kind of similar. Uh, my first thing would maybe be that nothing is forever. Yeah. Right? Like, if you're in business, nothing stays the same. And there's always that recency bias of, like, all right, good times are happening, so they're going to happen forever. Yeah. Um, and not that the shoe is dropping by any stretch, but um, we've seen how quickly things can change, uh, if not just in the pricing, but in, in the market climate and, and how it is to borrow money. So realizing that things don't last forever and that yep. maybe you do need to plan for alternative outcomes, like you mentioned. The other thing I kind of learned was to better trust the things that 
I interpret because and, and you know and, and take the advice that I would be giving clients like personally. Like we talked about going back to the very start of this podcast that rates were gonna go up. Yeah. We talked about that they needed to go up and we talk about things like, you know, not overextending and not buying, you know, in the heat of the moment. And, you know, I need to do a better job of trusting that advice myself personally. Because yeah. I think also if we had really taken our time and, and analyzed and all the reasons that we felt like our money was cheap, what does money cheap being cheap mean? It's that, you know, prices are going to soar. Yeah. Like we could probably left some great opportunities on the table back in 2020. Now, pandemic, oh, you know, it's a very different time, but like the idea of cheap money should have let us know that there are opportunities there, but then also have the foresight that they would not last and they haven't. So yeah. anyway, uh, that's a great question. I think everyone should be taking stock here now as we go into, you know, we're approaching the fourth quarter here of, of 2022. Um, thanks so much for listening as always. Yeah. Just reminder, if you're getting something out of this content, please comment, post, like share send us um, questions send us questions we will answer them we will send you back a message and uh we will bring them up on here if you're uncomfortable with us bringing it up on the podcast just let us know in there but uh, otherwise expect that we will call you out yeah awesome all right thanks guys thanks for listening thank you for tuning in for this episode don't forget to subscribe to the podcast on whatever platform you use and if you're on apple Podcasts or spotify give us a rating and send us some feedback we'd love to hear from you you can find us on social media at master keys podcast See you next week. When, 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 when I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh. When I was broke, I had rich habits. Uh.